Hello and welcome to Just One Corneto, a Greenock Morton podcast. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All of our panellists appear in a personal capacity and as such, any views expressed are personal to them. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Titan Spice Rum is inspired by Clydeside Heritage and Inverclyde's incredible scenery. Their carefully selected aged rums are infused with Scottish raspberries, golden syrup and exotic spices. Titan Spice Rum is blended with the finest Caledonian water whilst retaining its spiritual Caribbean DNA. Perfect for your summer cocktails and soundtrack. Titan Spice Rum Reggae Retro. Head over to titanspiritslimited.com to order your bottle today. And welcome to the Just One Coretto podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dunning, and joining me today we have Alan Coyle. How are you doing, Alan? I'm fine. Uh, how are you? I right, good, thank you. And Darren Adams, how are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. Looking forward to talking about a, a good result of the weekend. All right, good stuff. So we'll get right to it. Uh, so Morton welcome Cove on Saturday for the first ever competitive capital fixture between the sides. Dougie Emery went with the same starting eleven that faced Hamilton last week, and after a tight and I think it's fair to say attritional game, uh, Jai Katongo capitalised on a mistake by Shea Logan, which wasn't funny at all, <laughs> with an excellent finish to deliver a one 0 win. So come to you first, Alan. Uh, starting eleven first of all. Any surprises for you in there? Um, not really, I suppose. Um, obviously, we'd, we'd kind of ended the game pretty well. We did a half-decent second half last week, and he's obviously thought, right, we'll, we'll just go with the... As we spoke about last week, it being probably our strongest start in 11, he's gone with that again. Um, obviously, last week, we had a couple of substitutions, one of them being King, who'd kind of come on and, and offered something. Um the, the the one thing, obviously, I know we'll, we'll go on and talk about it, but uh, the the shape changed the the eleven. The, the, the shape changed pretty early in the first half, I thought, um, which was interesting to see. But um, no real qualms about the starting uh, lineup, given the fact that we had a semi-positive result last week. Yeah, on the shape changing. Um... <sighs> So you can look at this one of two ways. I mean, it's always good to have a manager that's tactically flexible and willing to adapt as the game goes on. And you can get too hung up on a formation as well. But at the same time, that's two league games into the season and we've already seen a variety of formations. And it's a bit, it, it could be argued to be a bit concerning when you, you're not even settling into a game and it's like, right, tear this up, try again. But I could completely see why we did it because you know, we've started with obviously the 4 3 theme, you're heading caveat wide. And I think it was very apparent quite early on that Straff and Pinatello weren't getting enough protection. So, I mean, whether the four four two was the right way to go about changing that with line out wide uh, <laughs> remained to be seen. But, um, yeah, I mean, that he's being proactive to to do something about a problem that's emerged, I guess. Uh, Darren, uh, any thoughts yourself? Um, not so much in the shape change. Well, and then the starting lineup. It was the first game I'd gotten to this season um, where I kind of got to have a look at uh, Katongo because... Uh, the only game I'd made before that was a thumping 3 0 victory at Easter Road, where he was obviously suspended. Uh, we obviously <laughs> didn't feel suspended players, so um, 
I was interested to look at him, and I was I was a wee bit surprised that Lyon was in the starting lineup. But then when I kind of thought that that was just what jumped out to me, and I thought, oh, we've actually sent Jacobs out on loan now anyway, so we've not got incredible depth there. So I could see why we started them, but uh, I, I I didn't really notice the shape change to be honest. I thought I just thought Lyon was getting rinsed in the first half. Um, so I that was that was all my thoughts on it really. Yeah, I thought when you just look at the midfield performance in the first half. So at Hamilton last week, we've seen. I wouldn't say Lion or Blues were poor at Hamilton, but just the game really passed them both by while Gillespie was looking like Pirlo. And then you sort of jump forward to this week and you've got the game passing Gillespie by while Blues and Lion absolutely were both having poor games. Um, particularly Lion, uh, just not in the game at all. And you know, I'm a I'm a fan of this Lion. I'm someone who's like said quite a lot that I rate him and I don't uh you know, I thought last season I thought both in performances and results you could actually see that we got worse without Lyon. But see after that performance, uh yeah, he can have absolutely no complaints if he's dropped next week. I think the thing is as well, right, so with the shape that we had, like last week we've gone uh Doogie's decided to play blues in a sli- in more the more advanced role and Lyon slightly deeper. Um I just feel that switching name round may benefit um, Lyon a wee bit. But I think based on last week, I don't think um, Hamilton's midfield... Well, this week it was very much a step up on their midfield when you've got Vigas kind of sitting deeper and you've got somebody like Fraser Fivey in there who really did control things. Um, With that in mind, I think that that it it was kind of telling um, that... Uh, where Blues was playing, that's effectively where Vigas was, and Vigas was just kind of dominating him a wee bit. Um, I think moving forward, if it's going to be Blues and Gillespie, I think Blues and Gillespie have to. I know we'll get onto it, but the formation that kind of that happened after Line went off, where Blues is kind of tucked in a wee bit deeper, um, it's just 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 seems the most natural shape for us, I think. Um, and it was just unfortunate, I think, for Lyon that Lyon's been kind of shunted out wide a wee bit. And um, as we've seen before, that's not his preferred position. Um, he's kind of, I'd say kind of central, almost in a number 10 roles, probably is kind of his better role. But um, aye, they pretty much dominated our midfield, I thought, in the first half, which was which was concerning given that it's a slightly better midfield than the one last week that we've played against. And when we maybe think about some of the teams that we're going to play against and some of the midfields that we're going to play against, um, it's something that we're going to need to get right. Yeah, and I I suppose there is also the point to be made of hopefully our recruitment in midfield isn't done either. So you'd hope we are going to have a creative midfielder to come in still and that that, that's going to be a start a starter in, in there and that's um, going to mean you've got Blues and Lion competing for that one place beside Gillespie uh, rather than you know, having them both in there um, but aye uh, sort of moving on to just the f- talking about the first half in general aye I, I think it would be fair to say it wasn't a good performance when you've seen us having to have that change of shape and I thought the last 10-15 minutes um, yeah we really did ride our luck a bit um, because the first half hour or so maybe yeah, we weren't playing particularly well, but we also weren't really looking in any, da- in any danger. But then, I just the lead up to half time, I thought Cove really did start to assert themselves on the game. That's when they've had the header hitting the post, which I think was Meganson. And I, um, at that point, we were not looking comfortable in the game at all. We obviously prior to that, I don't know, in the first sort of twenty minutes, um, 
there was a ball over the top for Katongo, who's managed to get himself in one and one. Um, and the keeper's made a save, um, which I remember I turned around to the folk that were kind of that, that I was standing with, and I, it was almost like a case of look, that's that's that just kind of shows what we're lacking. We're lacking that kind of composure, that a finisher basically, uh, because I mean Jai's been excellent for us in the first two games, but Jai's game is all about effort and endeavour. Um, and looking to kind of front players up and get past them um, lacks a wee bit of guile as we kind of mentioned last week so it, it, it wasn't the best it wasn't the best of watches watching us on Saturday but the, I, I felt there was a bit of a kind of horses for courses but we're missing that wee bit of creativity and um, that kind of more advanced midfielder um, and we'd obviously kind of clock that their weakness was at their centre of defence uh, in terms of their pace um, hence the kind of long balls, kind of bypassing the midfield. But um, for last fifteen minutes, as you said, by the way, the first half it was a case of we need to, we need to get into half time or square here. Aye, absolutely. And then I think you do have to give credit to the team because that haven't happened, and you're having that God that last fifteen minutes was dire. We come out in the second half, and throughout the whole thing, I don't think we looked like conceding at any point. Um, Schwaki's command of his box was terrific for all that he didn't really have anything to do in the in the way of stopping shots. And ah, it was a defence that came out there and really sort of just had a grasp on their task. I thought Baird and O'Connor had both had sort of some shaky first half moments, but were largely fine in the second half. I'd say the, the only real def- potential defensive howler in that second half is Lewis Strap, who, who could easily have been sent off when he got his yellow card. That to me, by the way, was a lack of communication between him and a corner, um, because the the two of them had kind of Aye. almost left it to each other. Um, you're kind of hoping that that's an early season sort of issue that would get ironed out in terms of communicating. Um, but that's kind of what's happened. One's left it to the other, and then it's got to the point where he's got to pull him back. And I think he was pretty fortunate how high up the park he was, and the fact that a corner was still pretty close to him that he never saw red. Um, did either of you think it could have been a red? On another day, it could be a red. I think um, I, I could see it being given. Um, I, although I don't think it is a red card, I could see it, a, a ref giving it, and it was pretty poor from Strap. I don't think he could have any complaints on the yellow anyway. At least, probably, probably, it's probably somewhere between a yellow and a red because I think the ref's thinking was there was a corner beside them who was who was mm-hmm. also the other who was the other defender. Mm-hmm. But I think whoever it was, it was a uh, long staff that he pulled down. I don't think a corner would have caught him if he went through, but um, I think Stapp got lucky with that one. But also, just on red cards, I have absolutely no clue how Cove's left-back didn't get sent off in the second half. He got yellow-carded and then he took Katongo down the right wing that like, absolutely swiped him at the game. And uh, Along with another couple of things, kind of kicking the ball away in that. And I, I think the ref probably could have gave out one or maybe even two red cards in the game. Aye, I think that was just a typical sort of referee you know, if if any player who's not been booked already made that challenge, it was always going to be a yellow card. It's just a referee wanting to shy away from the tough decision. And I noticed that a few times. There were about three or four times in the second half alone where a Cove player's committed a stoneful yellow card foul and he's played advantage and he's just not bothered to go back and book them after. Oh, there was... The, but, the, yeah, sorry, Dan, on you go. I, was, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to look up how many yellow cards were given it. Do you know, there was there was one in particular where uh, there had been a, a foul and he'd kind of let it go. Uh, he played an advantage to us, which kind of petered out. And it's one of them, and it has a kind of bugbear of mine that 
if a passage of play keeps going and keeps going and keeps going, then refs very rarely go back and book the person. In fact, do you know who it was? It was uh, it was Gordy Richardson who was standing just up behind me, and he was he was the one shouting, meaning go back and book him ref. But he, but he never. And there was also another advantage that he played where there'd been like a foul at the edge of your box, and he'd kind of let it go. And we had the ball at the edge of our own box, and there was absolutely no advantage at all to the point I think that they get the ball back. And he's in the action in a pretty dangerous situation in your life. Um, on that, and referees, by the way, uh, there was something that I'd kind of heard uh, or something that I'd read on, I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday, about the EPL and EPL referees and the fact that they were saying, you know, that part of their, uh, if they're marketing the, the, the league, part, part of it is that, you know, it's fast-paced, fast-flowing, and it is quite physical. So the referees have been very much encouraged to embrace the physical side of it and almost kind of let things go a wee bit more. And I'm wondering if that's something that's kind of come up here has been running in Scotland as well, in terms of, you know, that there'll be challenges and you've to let things go and let play flow and people enjoy the kind of physical side of things. And whether or not it's decisions that maybe would have been pulled up and booked in the last couple of years, maybe aren't getting booked now, I don't know. But um, I've certainly noticed over the last couple of games that things, it's been a much more physical game game maybe than it was last season which is which is for me good to see I'm not sure anyone's going to be marketing the Scottish Championship as the best league in the world on the strength of that on Saturday uh, you, you know, you know it's, it, it was a game for the connoisseurs I think you would say <laughs> I heard Jack Young compared Jackie Tongo's goal to Zinedine Zidane's at Hamden so you never know Jeez oh man <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that that brings us on very nicely to, to the goal then. So, uh, yeah, a bit of pressure. I think it was a caveat putting pressure on the ball, um, just sort of down in the corner. Kofley clears it up towards the halfway line. Shea Logan, under absolutely no pressure whatsoever, takes it upon himself to just head it back towards his goal, looping up in the air, and, uh, yeah, drops at the edge of the box. Muirhead tries to go for it, doesn't really get near it, and enter Jai Katongo. <laughs> um, there's been this thing with Katongo in, in this spell and in his first spell, uh, for all we've not got a big sample size in this spell yet, where I really like what he brings in energy and pressing, but at times it's just like there's a lack of an end product here that's quite frustrating. That I thought you saw that in the second half of the Hamilton game, of you know, the number of times he got the ball in the final third and just sort of head down, run into a tackle, hope for the best. And yeah, you saw that in the first half, the going clean throw and goal, but it's a chance that a centre forward should be scoring and he doesn't. But then, see, whenever he does score, it's something like this. And it's just, especially with how much we're struggling creatively so far this season with the squad as it is, that ability to just turn something that should not be a goal it's in- into an absolutely unstoppable finish it's instinctive. so valuable. He's an instinctive player, I would say, rather than um, he, he, the fact that he, he doesn't really score tap-ins or he doesn't, he's, he's not your penalty box striker in that, you Aye. know, that, that he'll take the two chances at Hamilton last week were chances that are, you know, like a poacher would have taken. Um, if you look back in his first spell with his, his goals, I mean, the, the two or three absolute crackers, remember one against St Martin, uh, the one against Dundee United, uh, one, the one, against, one against Hamilton, Queen uh, South, aye. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's all crackers that he scores. It was all that's kind of similar to Saturday, but as well as that, a clever, cheeky wee push on his marker as well, just as the balls kind of come to him. The ball's up in the air and he's, he's rolled him and he's used his, his, his physicality. But um, see, prior to that, by the way, I was going to say 
that's when the shape change had come. Um, yeah. And I, King coming on, I thought King had his plane a wee bit more on the front foot, just just by the general nature of him. Not saying that there was any guile or anything like that, but he was looking to play in the front foot. He was putting himself about um, a lot more as well. Do you know what I mean? And that kind of gave us an impetus. And I felt a wee bit sorry for Reese Lyon in that the shape change would have suited him in that he's probably looking on. You could see him when he was coming off. He was gutted um, to go off. The, the How slowly he's kind of walked off. I think he was pretty angry about it. Um, and he's probably looking on for the dugout looking at thinking where, where King's playing and thinking, that's where I wanted to play. Um, but I don't know. I think we're getting to a point where Alex King, he, he, they've got, they're, they're going to be struggling not to be starting Alex King based on the impact that he's had off the bench and the two different positions that he's come on. He's come on wide last week and he's played more centrally this week. Yeah, well, see what you haven't mentioned earlier, just a relative lack of depth in midfield. Um, I did think it was interesting that when Emery's obviously made the decision to take Strap off based on that yellow card, and again, he's done exactly what we've done uh, last week of Heinz on, move Pinatiello to to left-back, when I would have thought at that point what he might do was actually move King back to left-back and put McGratton on. So I do wonder, like, where does McGrattan fit? And obviously, look, it's extremely early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't you can't say that a manager's deciding against using a player this early. You know, I'm sure he'll get his chance eventually. But I did think that was a that was a bit of a surprising one. Mm-hmm. And again, by the way, Pignatello being so two footed, um, with the lack of squad depth that we've got, again, what a important player he is, because um, he was very comfortable when he moved over to left back. Uh, I felt um, in. Fair play to him again, by the way. That's twice that Hines has come on and he, he didn't really put a foot wrong. And I think as well, I, I quite like Hines is better going forward, I would say. His delivery into the box is good as well. So, um, I I mean, I can't really complain about the substitutions at all. Yeah. Um, it, which obviously led to the third substitution uh, and a good bit of game management and changing the shape of the team again by bringing Lithgow on. Yeah, that's something I'd imagine we might see Fairly often, I mean, you know, you'd assume Baird and O'Connor are going to be the first choice centre back partnership, but it would be no surprise at all to see if that's quite a regular occurrence coming into the last five, ten minutes of games. If we've, if we're sitting on a one goal lead, just especially against a team like Cove, where sort of their approach in that final ten minutes is right, float as many balls into the box as possible, try and force an error. I'll become, like become like our Michael Essien to Jose Mourinho's jersey. <laughs> Coming on, just nah, that's the game finished already. May as well blow the final whistle. <laughs> I definitely. And that's uh, and that's again where I thought uh, Schwocky was just absolutely unfazed. Just, you know, there was never a question of him failing to deal with any of those crosses. It was really encouraging to see that. He's handling, because, by uh, the way, he's handling yeah. is the one thing. Um, it's just, he seems, <laughs> this is going to get into next Saturday and he's going to drop, start dropping things, but he's handling for crosses. He's dealing with kind of shots. He just seemed really comfortable. I like his distribution as well. He's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, I've noticed that that one slight caveat does seem a bit just a wee bit of communication when balls go into the box and he's maybe staying on his line when defenders are expecting to come for it. But I mean that's a that's a relatively small thing. Um, bearing in mind how kind of worried we were about not having Jack Hamilton again, we seem to have a a, 
a relatively decent first choice goalkeeper, albeit that he is young and albeit that it is early in the season. So I mean, you know, things could change, but Aye. just to just to add to that as well, I thought um just on his handling, it was it was almost like really refreshing to see in the last fifteen minutes when they were whipping balls into the box constantly, seeing that goalkeeper that was just so comfortable catching the ball, bringing it down out the air and just um relieving pressure because albeit we have been spoilt with keepers in the last couple of years, McAdams and Hamilton were never particularly good at that type of thing and you'd there'd be a couple situations where the ball would come in and they'd punch it or flap at it and then the pressure the pressure would just build and build from there. So I I find that really enjoyable watching mm-hmm. watching that in the last 15, 15, 20 minutes of the game when he was just plucking them at the air, almost like an American footballer, just catching them like, mm-hmm. like, with no problem. Ah, uh, yeah, because that, that was definitely the weakest part of both McAdams and Hamilton's games. So if we've managed to get a keeper who doesn't have that as a flaw, uh, it does just make situations like that so much more relaxing. And I uh, like you say, there was that one moment where he stayed on his line while the defence is asking for him to come with it. And there was that sort of inhale sharply as the ball first comes over and he stays on his line. Then you realised that's not him doing anything wrong or being locked to come off his line. That's just him correctly judging the flight of the ball. Um, he knew fine well that was carrying through to him and there was no need for him to actually leave his line for it. Yeah. So, aye, yeah, v- very encouraging to see that. So, all that said about Saturday's game, uh, looking forward to next week. So, we're sitting on four points after two games, exactly as we were after two games last season. Yeah. And we're going to play a race team uh, with no points, uh, just as we were against the... Uh, Queen of the South in the third game uh, last season. So, any changes to the starting eleven? Do you think? Um, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Um, we need we need Cammy Blues playing in that more advanced role. Just doesn't make sense to me. He's one of the better midfielders at the club, and all of his best attributes I feel like are kind of negated when you play him further forward that way. So I feel as if what I would change is putting Cammy Blues further back, and then but I'd. I, 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 I think I disagree with you, Alan, when you say that Reese probably suits the number 10. don't think he does. I think he suits it being a lot deeper where he can pick the ball up off the defence and spray passes or break past a, a, a defensive line of the other teams. So maybe bring in... I do really like King, but I would like to see... I'd like to see McGratton get a game in that kind of more advanced role that Cammy Blues has been playing and see... Just give him a start and see what he can do because I'm intrigued to see what uh, kind of... Um, fight Wraith put up next week because I was expecting them to be alright this season but they've had a pretty poor start they've not got much up front and they I think they've I think they've bought I, I think they've brought in a new centre half but their other centre half they've got is it Scott Brown who they got for Peter Head who is normally a centre midfielder um, so they they are quite stretched I think just now uh, I think they're very they're, they're very much like our Hopkins squad of having like about fifty midfielders, um, I, I, yeah, because they've actually signed two centre backs through the week there. Right. But I think one of them's a twenty-three year old uh, who's only played about twenty games in his career, and the other one's an eighteen-year-old on loan. So, I, it's a very, very inexperienced defence for all that they can actually put natural centre backs in it now. And you would think that's something that you're looking for Katongo and Muirhead to exploit. I think it's a very much a. It's, it's a game where if we win the midfield battle, I think that we should probably win the game. Um, and I think I'd said a couple of weeks ago about it that, you know, that midfield three might actually work away from home at times um, when you're you're almost kind of playing a flat flatter three and it's almost a 4-5-1. Um, but I just think 
I just think you can't play that three. I, I, I don't think those three work together. I don't think they're the most effective because um, I just think Lyon is a wee bit. He's, he's, he's been a wee bit too passive for me. Um, in, in in terms of impact in the game, and I think that was kind of the case on Saturday. Um, and I think playing Blues a wee bit further forward absolutely kind of negates for his game as well. So at some point, the bullet's going to need to be bitten. Um, in 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 terms of how we're playing and who we're playing, I've I've got to say I, I, I do like playing that sort of double pivot, the two of them, and then a, a sort of four two three one. I do I do like that shape, and you could very much see that that when we set up that that is where King played. King very much played advanced in behind Katongo. Um, but uh, as well as that, can we? I don't know if we maybe talk about. Jay's Kebear. I don't think Jay's Kebear was, like, if I'm being charitable, as effective as he was the week before. Um, I thought so, he could have been in, more involved in the game. I thought he could have had a bigger impact. I thought he kind of allowed himself to be dominated by their, their full-backs a wee bit too much. Um, who do um, who do Wraith have on the kind of right-back? Who's our right-back that Tilbert's gone? Uh, uh, Ross Millen, uh, our assistant manager's son. So yeah, maybe we shouldn't pan him too much, but he's not very good. Uh, in <laughs> so, looking at the fans in Pine Bovril, they've not been too, um, they've not been that complimentary about him. They've got Liam Dick, I think, as well. He's, yeah, he's, he's a left back um, who's functional. I think is what you probably say. Yeah. Um, he's he's I he's he's. He's like a Michael Doyle, I would say. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's he, he he does a job. He's functional enough. Um, so I don't know. I actually, I actually think we can do a job in them next week, which is what's worrying me. I'm thinking, taking into <laughs> account that we are um, going away from home, I'd maybe start King because I like his athleticism and particularly I've been impressed by how good defensively he is. I've never thought that was a part of his game that um, that would be outstanding, like his outstanding feature in this game. But I thought that, that like he, he seems to be quite. Uh, athletic and physical and hard on the tackle and I think that's something we can maybe benefit away from home but if I want to go go for it a wee bit more and then um, look to kind of pass Wraith uh, pass it around Wraith etc and dominate the ball I'd probably put McGratton in because I like McGratton I'd like to see him start I don't know about yours well, see, yeah, been... see if I was sorry Al on you go do you know what I was going to say is I've been buying that drum for quite a few weeks now and I actually wonder though that there is a there is a thing that you know quite often um, players uh, how good a player is gets more the, the longer that he doesn't play. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like if somebody's been dropped on the bench, the best games you play are the ones you do. Aye, aye, aye. So, um, but I, it's just just from what I saw of McGratton and I think was it was it was it a Bonnie Rig game? Just playing that with more advanced role. Um, and I remember thinking at the start of last season. I think he was interviewed at the start of last season, saying, "You know, I'm really looking to push my way in." And we're a season on, and. I, I do think he's got something to offer and he's probably the most creative player that we have in that position. But um, I, I, I would like to see King playing next week and I'm kind of way down in that. I, I don't know if you were maybe suggesting that would he maybe play wide? Would he maybe play in the left? Um, I don't know. What, me? Aye. Or oh, were you no, thinking that he'd play centrally? I was thinking of that kind of... So, I was saying that we should probably. I'd like to see Blues drop back into that deeper role because mm-hmm. he's one of the best midfielders at the club when he plays there. We're kind of mm-hmm. wasting them almost further Aye. forward. Um, so it's the space is really in the middle. What we could do is we could bring KBA into the middle because he's apparently able to play 
as a kind of attacking midfielder, but he's a bit too lightweight for mm-hmm. me, I think, if we're going to kind of sit a bit deeper mm-hmm. um, at home. So, But I would like to see the same kind of front three because... Um, I think it, I think Katongo could really hurt them, and you know Robbie offers something that, that no one else has at the club. And um, I think the thing about that stardust about him, that kind of X factor. I think at times I wouldn't mind seeing with a front three for all that you know we've talked about how Katongo, Katongo's ability to produce a finish from nothing. Just looking at race fullbacks and the weakness to be expo- exposed there, with neither of them are particularly pacey. I wouldn't mind seeing Muirhead through the middle and Katongo going out wide. Uh, I think the thing though let let Katongo exploit that. And as well, you know, we talk about Katongo's ability to sort of conjure a goal from nothing. But how many of those have been from cutting inside from the left onto his right foot? See the one thing though, the one thing about playing him through the middle, if he's played through the middle, central defenders are aware of his pace, which automatically I would say drags a defence maybe back about ten yards in that they don't want him. They don't want to leave that space. And that's a great thing for us because it then allows, it gives us a wee bit more space to to, to kind of operate in, which well, kind, of, kind of brings in that eye, that sort of a two four two three one, where you've got that, where if you've got that player who can kind of expose that wee kind of pocket of space, um, somebody with a wee bit of creativity, that's where things kind of work a wee bit better for us. But um, as I'd say to you off air, Craig, um, <laughs> This 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 rings very similar to last season. We were going to play Queen of the South, who'd been absolutely rinsed in their first two games, and we're thinking if we win this, we go into seven points, we go top of the league. Likewise, Wraith have not been very very good in their first two games, and again we're thinking this is a game that we can go and win. Um, but <laughs> uh, I, I let's just see. I think the the, the the thing about this season though is that um, fair play to Dougie for. Um, us kind of grinding out four points from the first two games is that I think we very much have a realism of our expectations around the squad that we have um, and the lack of depth that we've got so uh, I suppose the thing about that maybe means that if we do go a goal down we're maybe likely supporters are maybe likely to be a wee bit more patient um, in their kind of expectations but um, having said that uh, I think we'll go there and win 3-0 on Saturday <laughs> I remember yeah, I think, Sorry, Oh, cheers. No, I think we're all aware of like that there are obvious weaknesses to the squad still. We do still lack creativity. But that just makes grinding out a win in a game like Saturday all the better. That if we're able to get points on the board this early in the season and if we can go go on Saturday and get another three or even another one to be a perfectly good result, then I just putting some distance between ourselves and the bottom two. Okay, it's a bit shit to think that way right at the start of the season, but I think it's it's the way we need to we need to approach things and be realistic and just grind out points while we can until until and if we get that get those new signings that are injecting some real quality into the squad. Aye, we um, went in Saturday with seven points off the bottom. That's a bit of a kind Yeah. Um, I know. I was just going to bring up. I remember um, the Friday night. I think it was a Friday night game at Capital last season against Wraith, where it was pouring to each. McGlynn yeah. moaned about the long throws and that. I remember McGratton came off the bench in that game and I thought he looked really, like, really dangerous. I remember particularly at one point he had a run down kind of the left towards the Sinclair Street end and he kind of was jinking in and out and he kind of he absolutely tore, the, tore a new one in the <laughs> Wraith defence. I, I feel like, I can't remember if actually a chance ever came from it, but I remember seeing him. And uh, thinking that you know he, look, he looks very decent here because I hadn't really seen much from him before then. So maybe it might be just going back to the 
line up next week might be a decent idea to throw McGrattan in. It might be a good good game to uh, do that. Yeah, I mean, I'd th- I think looking at our performances so far, personally, if I was picking the team, I would actually go want to bring. Like, I think on an individual level, I think on Lions' performances, you can justify dropping him. On Blues' performances, you can justify dropping him. On what you've seen from King and McGrattan between King's appearances off the bench and McGrattan's appearances in the League Cup, you can justify bringing them both in to start. But I don't see Emery going with putting the two of them into the starting 11 at once as a thing. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him bring King in for Lion, but for all that I personally would quite like to see McGrattan in for Blues as well, and McGrattan played as the most advanced of the central midfield, I'd be quite surprised to see it. There's a thing about game management as well, I suppose, in the modern day of kind of using using all the substitutes that you can and kind of using them strategically and whether or not they're, they're, they're good players to, to be bringing on with half an hour to go, with 20 minutes to go and impacting a game. That's another way of looking at it. Um, so on, on that, I would, again, probably not be that surprised if we see the exact same starting lineup. Um Again, um, given that, I mean, it, it, this is the team that Dougie's gone with and two games into the season and he's probably thinking it's a long season. When I need to allow this team to bed in. I need to give him a chance. I can't be chopping and changing given that we've had relatively positive results. So on that, I suppose, um, for all the chat we've just had there, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with the same again. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Um, but The old, old Stephen McElhaney... If it's not broke, don't fix it. Ah, well, do you know what I mean? We we we're not seeing what's happening in a training field, um, and what what they're what they're actually trying to work on. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I suppose on the flip side of that, we've seen them change the formation in the first half, realizing that wasn't working, which is maybe a telltale sign to say, well, maybe I'm going to need to change this. Um, and I suppose the flip side of that is if you've got somebody like Alex King looking at two positive performances and thinking, would I need to do to break into this team? You know. So, uh, having had that sort of relative positivity then, just to finish up, we've had uh, a couple of club statements (laughs) over this week. So, firstly, we had the announcement that the development squad uh, was not going to run, something that we already knew because uh, John Sutton had announced it leaving the club. Then, uh, an hour and 45 minutes before kickoff on Saturday, we got the announcement that uh, the club weren't going to be having programmes this season and then uh, this morning uh, we're recording this on Monday we got another statement from the club uh, apologising for how they've communicated issues uh, effectively saying yeah our communication has not been good enough Uh, we're sorry and we know we need to do better so (laughs) who wants to start us on that issue go for it Dan (laughs) Um, I've not really got much to say on it Um, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head you're explaining it Uh, Craig, I think um, you know the comms probably hasn't been good enough to the whole debacle with the people think not going to be forced to watch Morton for ninety minutes. <laughs> uh, it was pretty laughable, was pretty Morton, um, and then the whole thing with the programs as well. It was just justifiable. Same with the development squad, the, the, what they've done, but the way they've the way they've communicated that has been that has been a real um, black mark on the club. I'd say uh, there's a real stain on uh, the the. Uh, the club's reputation, I think. I, I, 
Right. I'd had um I'd had a wee bit of say on Twitter about it along with another two or three people. Um but obviously the vested interest I have in terms of programme is that I contributed to it last season. Um and I enjoyed doing that and kinda of aware of the the effort uh, and the work that, that kinda of the that Neil the editor and other folk put into it. Taking that aside, um I, my issue is not that um, getting rid of it, you know, because obviously there wasn't enough people buying it, and kind of financially it was maybe wasn't viable. My issue was more. I I just really thought that this was something that MCT could, could like a fans group could have maybe been involved in. Um, do you know what I mean? Maybe kind of speaking to members about it, putting out a survey or something like that, and saying, look, here's what here's what here's what the script is with the program. Here's what I think they're doing. How many is buy one? Um, what do you think? Here's the different models that we can maybe go with. Some teams go well a digital only. I know there's different ways of printing it. Um, there's some teams go monthly. I'm not sure just by talking to folk whether the monthly one would actually be viable, financially viable either. But it's just I, I just think it was a relatively easy win for MCT and for the club to maybe engage with folk about it a wee bit. Um, and I think it's just, it, it, the, the fact that it kind of came out, there had been a wee bit of communication. I'd noticed there was a couple of people on Twitter kind of asking about it and saying, look, I've not been able to see it, which was the script with it. And then I, I never even saw the, the tweet there on 45 minutes before a game, but it was in, I kind of knew that it wasn't going to run and it was my pal comes in and goes like, oh, it was the script, why is there no programmes? Um and it was just it's just that vacuum of information. What is good though is that the in the club statement today they've come out and said like oh, look we need to do better. Um, we're going to look to engage. And to be fair, um, I noticed that the Kingy the SLO had kind of uh, tweeted as well that he was going to ask the club about it. And that was I don't know if that was Saturday or Sunday. And then by lunch by lunchtime today there's a post about it. So if I mean if if Kingy said any uh, influence over the club there then. Uh, fair play to him, but um, I that and then the fact that we'd got again a wee bit of notoriety over our social media postings based on the thing that we posted in the Bonnie Rig game about like you can't get out, you know, which which kind of ties into the old kind of your dad joke about ah, it's free to get in, but much as it again to capital, it's free to get in, but you need to pay to get out. That was, do, do you know what I mean? That was it, it was it was just a a relatively easy own goal. Uh, that we'd kind of scored and we do need to get a wee bit better but fair play to the club today and turning around and actually recognising that um, I would just like to see if we are a kind of fan run club and if, 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 if MCT are fan owned it'd be good if in the match day experience and things like the programme if fans or members of MCT did have some sort of involvement in it just looking at other clubs that do have fan involvement um, no taking away from the folk who are volunteering at MCT because I know that they've all got jobs and they're doing it as a, do you know what I mean? They are volunteers, the directors and things like that. But um, it's, do you know what I mean? It's I would like to see us being a wee bit more proactive moving forward, um, I would say. So that's all I've got to say on it, really. <laughs> yeah, I think sort of, as both of you have said, uh, I think these things are fine decisions in isolation, but the issue comes down to how they've been communicated. And yeah, it is encouraging that the club have at least acknowledged that themselves now. I think the proof is going to be in you know, how they go about resolving this and actually improving and that we're not having a converse, having the same conversation about another issue when they've put out an ill-thought tweet or a poorly worded statement in a couple of months' time. But aye, yeah, I think 
at this moment you, you give them the benefit of the doubt that they've come out with this apology because you know they they realise they've gotten it wrong and there's a genuine desire to improve because I've seen that there's there's a bit of cynicism about the apology as well of people saying oh well you're only doing this because you're uh, you you feel like you've been forced forced into backpedaling because of how much criticism you've got and I think right I can see where people are coming from with that but. They've said they're going to look at this and try to improve, give them the time to do that now. And yes, I get we're a year into being a fan-owned club. We should be beyond this point already. But yeah, look, we all want it to improve. Let's let's hope it does. I, I, I think you need to give them a benefit of doubt on statements. You need to take them, take you need to take people by their word. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they're saying, I, exactly. look, hands up here, and we're going to do better then, okay, good. Then we, then we can take it for there. Aye, well, that should about do us. So, Alan, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you again to you both. Darren, cheers for coming on. Pleasure as always. And thanks everyone for listening. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at The Morton Forum. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Tale of the Bank Credit Union, Inverclyde Credit Union since 1984. Anyone who lives or works in Inverclyde can join and save, borrow and plan for tomorrow. We provide quality, accessible, low-cost financial services, including affordable loans that beat banks' best rates and are tailored to meet your individual needs. Contact us on our website, creditunioninverclyde.com or by phone on 01475 734 655. Taylor Bank Credit Union. Save, borrow, plan for tomorrow.